0: I'm Aaron.
1: This is Paul. This is whoa,
0: Wayne. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What was up with the big delay there, Paul?
1: Oh, uh, I don't know. I I, I thought uh, I was responding quickly. You were not. I mean, uh, Tim.
0: This is Tim. Was it was he was he timely? Uh, no. It seemed it seems like Paul was lagging. Hmm. Wayne, would you agree? Paul was lagging there. There's definitely was a lag what the fuck paul i blame skype you know well you know you know who i blame i blame paul what? because you know we're we're all on our game tim was on time wayne was ready to
1: be on time we're all ready to be there paul but not you what's going on there that that long bit of silence is going to edit right out
2: <laughs>
1: once i hit that truncate silence button people will be uh-huh. like what are you even talking about right yeah, now what are you talking about that air and his head is up his ass right yep exactly
2: <laughs> You know, there is no more sure way to make sure that something makes it onto the podcast than saying the words. That'll edit it right out. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, that's how we work.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. So uh, it it seems... Seems like it's been forever since we've gotten together. Uh, You know, we we did not record last week. Rather, instead, we released our Ideology of Madness actual play recording of our Far Trek session from ManCon 2016. So that's out in the feed right now if you haven't had an opportunity to listen to it. Um, But, you know, one of the things that I've done a lot since the last time we've talked is sleep. And uh, I, I, I have had a couple of rather disturbing dreams that I feel like I need to share since some of our Ideology of Madness family is involved. So in the first dream, uh, we are at ManCon, and we're, we're trying to pack up and go, and I am I'm really ready to go. You know, for some reason, I'm just, I've got to go. I need to get in the car. I need to go. But I can't find my bag. And I'm looking all over for my bag. I'm like, it was right here. Where's my bag? What what happened to my bag? And a couple of the guys kind of snicker and say, Wayne, hid your bag. I'm like, what?
2: <laughs>
0: and, and, and so I'm like, I'm like, Wayne, what'd you do with my bag? Well, you know, you have to find it. You know, it's a lot of huh, 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 you gotta find your bag. And I'm I'm getting really, really ticked off and I'm turning the place upside down. And finally, I'm like, Wayne, you got to tell me where my fucking bag is. And and Wayne says, "Okay, well, it's over there behind the curtain. So I go back behind the curtain and I pull it back. And there's a bag there, but it's not my bag. And I'm like, God damn it, Wayne. And Wayne's just sitting there chuckling. (laughs) And so I turn and I have drawn my gun and I shoot Wayne in the head. He begins to fall. I shoot him again. And as he's on the floor, I shoot him again. And I say, bet you wish you hid my gun. (laughs) I, I, I woke up feeling kind of bad. That, that took uh, a dark turn. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I woke up feeling kind of bad about having shot Wayne to death three times. Uh, but then, you know, I, 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 I woke up and I just kind of topped it
2: off. with Fucking Wayne. <laughs> in the end, Dream Me got his revenge because you never got your bag. That's true. I never did get my bag.
1: Fucking Wayne. So Wayne so, won in, in this dream.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wayne always wins, fucking Wayne. Uh, so, uh, in my other dream, uh, the ghost of Josh uh, came to me and made me breakfast. It was a very weird dream, and so I I text that the next morning, you know, on Instagram, I'm like, um, "Had a weird dream. Josh, you know, spoke to me in my dream and then made me breakfast." And it it kind of took some time before Josh responded, because I'm like, what if, what if Josh is actually dead? <laughs> but uh, no, Josh is fine. So Well, the ghost of Josh may have uh, right. Instagrammed you back. Yeah, you know, the, the ghost of Josh very into social media.
1: Hmm. 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 So,
3: yeah.
0: So, well, Josh, uh, we'll miss you. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you can still follow him on, on Instagram at Tiki Love God. <laughs> Did you shoot him in the head? No, no, I didn't kill. I, this time, I didn't kill you. That you how Josh imagine. How Josh died is a mystery.
1: <laughs> but not Wayne. We know how Wayne died. Yeah, we, 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 there, were, there were
2: many, many witnesses. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it seems kind of justified. <laughs> Even I got to give
1: you that. <laughs> so next year at ManCon, I think I'm going to hide your bag and say it was Wayne. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's see how this plays out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Poorly. <laughs> uh, so, Paul. Yeah.
0: I am super excited. You and I have known each other for a bazillion years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, you and I are going to have our special, special time together, uh, you know, sharing. You know, I saw that you, you booked our room for Star Trek Mission New York, and I saw that it was two double beds. And I called the hotel and had it switched to One King. Uh, So we can have our special frolic time. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Just remember, Paul, I'm the big spoon. But uh, (laughs) uh, Paul and I are going to go to the Star Trek convention, uh, Star Trek Mission, New York, uh, Labor Day weekend. And I,
1: I am giddy. I'm so excited about this. How can you start, you don't start any conversation with I'm the Big Spoon and then lead into Star Trek.
3: (laughs) I am the Big Spoon, Paul.
1: Well, I appreciate the warning to not hide your bag. (laughs) Do not hide my bag, Paul. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) So, Aaron, what are you most excited for, for uh, Star Trek Mission New York? Other than seeing you? Uh, I I assumed (laughs) that was, yes, other than that.
0: Uh, I am. There's a lot. There's a, a couple of really good panels I'm, I'm excited about. There is one with uh, uh, Star Trek novelists, and I'm always interested to hear about that process and what they've got on the horizon. You know, they've just recently started uh, releasing Star Trek novels, new Star Trek novels again. Uh, the Star Trek Legacies is the series that's out right now, and the third book in that trilogy comes out uh, the weekend of Labor Day. So, so very excited about that, or the week of Labor Day. So this week, I guess, the 30th. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's been really strong. And, you know, you can, you can kind of – sometimes you have to, you know – Uh, let things lie fallow for a while and come back to them. And and I think that's kind of what's happened with the Star Trek novels is, you know, there were so many for so long and some of them were great and then, you know, a lot of them were were rather weak. But uh, this was really good and and I'm I'm excited to hear what the the Star Trek novelists have to say and be able able to hear them talk about the direction of the new novels. Um, I am hoping for some news about uh, Star Trek Discovery. Uh, this convention is at least semi-owned by CBS. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, it, it seems to me you know they're starting shooting next month, which means they've got to have their cast lined up by now. It uh, would not surprise me if they don't have some uh, big announcement there or that we don't, or if we even don't get to meet the cast.
1: Yeah. So uh, pa- Saturday that's Saturday at 3:30 to 4:30 is the Star Trek Discovery Meet the Writers panel?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty darn excited about that. But, Paul, I think the thing that I am the most excited about, and, and I have been uh, dueling with this all week if I wanted to spend the money, but uh, I have decided to do it. Uh, I am doing the Deep Space Nine cast picture. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm super excited that uh, – Nana Visitor, Terry Farrell, Michael Dorn, Armin Shimmerman, Renee Obergeenois, and I think Sirac Lofton will be yes. in that picture. So how much is that gonna cost you? Uh, I'm gonna say this quietly so my wife doesn't hear it. So. <laughs> it is $170. So
1: Yeah. <laughs> that long period of silence that just edited out. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know if you could hear the sound of Wayne Rolling's eyes. (laughs) No, that is not as bad as I thought it would be. Yeah, it's not too terrible. You know, the
0: individual pictures are rather reasonable. They range from $30 to $60 for individual pictures. I feel really bad because the lowest priced picture that you can get with a celebrity is with Robin Curtis, who played uh, Lieutenant Savick in uh, Star Trek III. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, who replaced Kirstie Alley. And I mean, she's the only one at the $30 range. I'm like, that sucks. (laughs) I just, I think that's mean. (laughs) Uh, You got Peter Weller in there for $55. And, uh, you know, I was looking at, it's like, well, you know, I don't need to spend $170, but I can, I can do, uh, 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 you know, I could get one or two or three of the other ones. But I'm looking at that cast I'm like, when is the next time I'm going to get this opportunity again? And you look at the fact that, you know, uh, you can't get the original series guys together for a picture like that. Okay. Uh, you know, as it is, uh, Avery Brooks isn't coming uh, because Avery Bur- Brooks, I think, has just gone off the deep end. Yeah. But, you know, uh, even the Enterprise crew, there's only two guys from Enterprise coming, uh, Dominic Keating and, and that other guy. Uh <laughs> So I, I just I, I kind of look at it I'm like you know I, this is the first big Star Trek convention I've ever been to. God knows when I'm gonna do it again. Let's just bite the bullet. So that's what I'm doing.
1: I hope to get wine and dyed by Jonathan Frakes. That's really my goal with this convention. You know, you know, I was
0: looking at pictures from previous conventions where like, you know, Jonathan Frakes was was in there. And what I noticed, you know, so many times you see those pictures and they're just they're rather like you and I posing with uh, Stephen Amell. Right. Yeah. Where it's just two guys standing next to the celebrity. But I mean, like Jonathan Frakes is like crushing the women to him. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's the picture I want. I want to be crushed
1: into Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah? Well, that's our goal yeah them right. Frakes to crush us that's right <laughs> <laughs> so you know they announced earlier I think it was last week or maybe it was earlier this week they're like hey um Alice Eve you know the uh yeah, she played The hot Carol Marcus Dark, from uh, yeah. Star Trek Into Darkness. Like, B.B. Besh was hot in
0: Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Sure, sure. You know, you used to, you used to take long showers thinking about B.B.
1: Besh. I, I, I think that didn't happen, but, you know. <laughs> and, they're, and they're like, ah, she canceled. But hey, we have Roxanne Dawson who played Bellana Taurus. And I'm like, oh, well, you know. You sad. know,
0: <laughs> one of the things that, that I was surprised on the photo ops is that they don't have like, you know – get your Klingon picture. You know, because you got Michael Dorn and and uh who's her face, Belana Torres there. Well she was just announced, uh, so maybe maybe
3: they will. Yeah. Maybe. Long, that- long, show- long showers with BB Bess
1: was the name of Wayne's ska band. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that it's a ska band makes it even worse, just putting it out there. <laughs> show title, Paul. <laughs> I mean, I, so they've got a really good guest list. I mean, obviously, um, they only have some big names as far as captains, uh, but they have, you know, they've got William Shatner. They've got. Uh... I got to tell you, I'm, I am I don't know that I'm very interested in seeing Shatner. No, I'm not. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would be. I, I don't know. Like, I think the older I get, the less interest I have. I'm
0: more interested in seeing Shatner talk on his own. Versus seeing him on a cast panel because he just takes the oxygen out of the room. I mean, he talks over people. He changes the subject because he's not really a Star Trek guy. You know, he doesn't he's not all excited about the universe. He's, you know, he's just excited about acting in his career, which is great for him. But it doesn't it, it, it doesn't scratch that Star Trek itch. So I, I, I'm I'm much more interested in seeing they're they're doing uh, cast conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've got a DS9 panel, they've got an Enterprise panel, they got a Voyager panel. Uh, so I'm kind of excited about those, particularly the DS9 panel.
1: Well, you know what I'm excited about, Aaron? Well, I'm excited because the Federation of Beer <laughs> is doing a <laughs> Star Trek beer, um, a Star Trek 50th anniversary beer, and uh, we get to taste it while we're there. And uh, you, did you get your media pass, Paul? I did. It came in the mail this week. Good
0: deal. So you know, Paul and I have our VIP passes, our media passes. Uh, we are we are all passed up. Uh, and in addition to the beer tasting, uh, Paul and I are going to head over to uh, the USS Intrepid Museum to go to the Starfleet Academy exhibit, uh, which is the, the the big exhibit they've got over at that that museum. So pretty excited about that as well that well, sounds like a lot of fun yeah and yeah. and we're kicking it all off by going to the carnegie club and having cigars mm. it's
3: Scotch. You. you know you know what wayne and i are doing while you guys are at the star trek convention what are y'all gonna do not a goddamn thing well
0: you know what paul and i are gonna do back in our hotel room dutch rudder that's what I'm saying. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> I, 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 was, I was hoping you were also gonna say not a goddamn thing <laughs> <laughs> dutch
2: rudder that's what i'm saying <laughs> that's a horrifying thing you know Tim I, I thought for a second just a bright shiny moment you were going to make a Paul's mom joke oh nuts because you had the setup for it I did, I did. <laughs>
3: You know, Aaron, I, what I think is you should introduce the uh, Star Trek universe to your captain, which is by far the best captain I've ever heard. <laughs> did, did you listen to Far Trek? Supplemental captain's log. God damn it. <laughs> I, I laughed out loud at my.
0: <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I, I cannot begin to express how much fun that game was. Yeah.
1: And well, I said I'm the author working...
0: of Far Trek listened to it, too. Yeah, he did and commented on the blog. Uh, I'm sad to say he's not doing any further development on Far Trek because keep in mind, Far Trek is a, is a fan-produced uh, Star Trek role-playing game uh, that really kind of existed because there's not a current Star Trek role-playing game out there in production. But with the news of Modiphius coming out with their new Star Trek RPG uh, in 2017, he has decided to discontinue additional development of the game. But there is a ton of resource material out there on his website. We've got a link in the Far Trek uh, article uh, where you can go out there and download all that stuff absolutely for free. And it is a very well-developed, professionally produced role-playing game. I love that thing. That game is is so fun and so simple. Uh, And it's a hoot and a half.
1: Hmm. Mm. Well, listen now. Ideologyofmadness.com. Yeah, just stop what you're doing. <laughs> Put us on pause. Go listen. Go listen. It's good stuff. So, did you guys hear that uh they announced a director for the new for the upcoming Justice League Dark movie? I have not. No. So um. you did. You know, for a while, Guillermo del Toro was producing, or he was right. going to direct Justice League Dark. He was attached. He was attached, and he did a bunch of work on it. And then it, I guess it just fell through. I don't know. Uh, you know, with Guillermo del Toro, he attached. He's attached to a lot of things that fall through. Um. But they have announced that they have a director now, and apparently they stole him from Marvel. Um, what? So that's this, not right. That's this... <laughs> not right. That's not what a superhero does. Well, th- but that's what big corporations do. Uh-huh. So Doug Lyman, who was supposed to direct the Gambit movie, the long-delayed Gambit movie um has apparently left that project and is now signed to direct justice league dark if you are not familiar with doug lyman he is the director of swingers and mr and mrs smith the born identity and edge of tomorrow i liked edge of tomorrow so he edge of tomorrow is a good movie yeah we we saw that at uh, fear the con yeah we did and he is now signed to direct justice league dark um you know with the 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 cast uh, apparently featuring guys like John Constantine, uh, Etrigan, Swamp Thing, Zatanna, characters like that. I, I would be very I, I... excited to see a movie with those characters. Damn straight, damn straight. And he's got a you
0: know kind of a sense of of the bizarre, uh, in terms of the w- the way he can direct a scene. So I'm I'm excited about that. That yeah. sounds good to me.
1: I'm excited, and you know what else I'm excited about. What, Paul? Tell me. Tell me what you're excited about. I'm excited about Supergirl uh, season two, even though I've not seen Superman or Supergirl season one. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I I gave it a shot on that first episode and I didn't care for it. But everyone's like, oh, you need to give it another chance. And I'm like, ah, fine. You got to give it 12 episodes. You got to give it at least 12 <laughs> hours before it gets good. <laughs> <laughs> Continue, Paul <laughs> So we know that Supergirl season 2 Will feature Superman Played by Tyler Hoechlin um, And so they had an interview With uh, showrunner Andrew Kreisberg Who's kind of the guy who who produces uh, I shouldn't say showrunner Who produces a lot of these CW shows Like Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow And he says their Superman Is very much inspired by Christopher Reeve's Superman Superman the Animated Series Lois and Clark And a little George Reeves And I'm like you know what? The fact that he referenced yeah, me good... the animated series, that's a good pedigree right there. That is a really good pedigree. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that that that's I think maybe we'll get Wayne the Superman that he wants in in live action. Well, and
2: there I is I mean, there I is a saying... sense. <laughs> oh, wow. FC Supergirl is already giving me Superman type stories I want, so the I I really have a lot of faith that they can give me a Superman I want on that show.
0: Well, and there's a sense that, you know, He's he's uh, truthful, you know, and accurate in that statement in that the exposure that we've seen of Superman. And I'm not saying, you know, him you know, running in to save the day in one of the early episodes, but the email conversation, you know, he seems like a, a well-adjusted Superman as opposed to the guy that we've seen on the big screen recently. Yeah. You know, he, he's somebody who's got a shit together and is the icon that we all know and love. Um you know, because the Superman in their world seems to be someone who's been around for a little while, you know, and, yeah. you know, didn't result in the destruction of Metropolis. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that.
1: I am, too. And, you know, the, the, so I didn't realize this, but apparently Monel is going to be a character in Supergirl season two, too. And I'm like, OK, now I'm interested. Wow.
2: Yeah, that is really cool, because, I mean, I'm kind of curious if they're going to go the uh, Legion of Superheroes. And bring in, you know, more characters from that. Yeah. Because they haven't really hinted at it, but, you know, Supergirl has ties to it in the comics, and it could be really good. Yep. I, yeah, I, no, I,
0: I, I, it seems to me a no-brainer to bring in the Legion of Superheroes if you're doing Supergirl stories.
1: Yeah, so, I, I mean, Mon-El is, is a character who I've always enjoyed in the comic books. I, I think he would be very interesting to see in, see in live action, especially since, you know, Superman – They're saying it's only in for the first couple of episodes, but you know if it's a hit, he'll he'll be in and out of that show constantly.
0: Well, you know, I can certainly see where he is a, you know, somebody who pops up season to season, you know, where they do a Superman arc season to season. Yeah. So I could see that. But, yeah, no, I'm excited about that. And, you know, here's the thing. I like the idea of it, but it's not the reason I'm tuning into the show. Uh, You know, I I, I think that, that they have figured out how to make that show now. Um, I, I I I like it, and I think it's well placed over on the CW. I think it was a little weird over there on CBS.
1: Yeah. Well, and it sounds like uh, the the after effects of oh spoiler um, spoiler warning. Uh, it sounds like the after effects of Flash's season finale are the reason that Supergirl and these other characters are now in the same universe, right? Instead of being in different universes like they were previously. And I think that's super cool.
0: And you know, if you if you did bring in the Legion of Superheroes into Supergirl, it's a nice way for for uh, Legion and Supergirl to tie into perhaps Legends of Tomorrow,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, the show I'm not watching because it's so terrible. So <laughs> yeah,
2: Legends of Tomorrow has such potential as an idea. I'm not going to say the show itself had potential after watching it, but it had such a potential as an idea if they were going to continue with time travel. Legion of Superheroes would be a great way to do Season 2. Mm-hmm. And just be, because they're going to do a completely different cast and different characters each season, just because Season 1 wasn't good, it could still be good for Season 2. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Such potential as an idea is also the name of my autobiography,
1: by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Paul. <laughs> so also... Also subtitle, Wasted Youth. <laughs> also subtitle, Wasted Adulthood. <laughs> <laughs> so let's stick with Superman Talk, and let's talk about this week's issue of Action Comics number 962, featuring a sweet-ass cover. Yeah, with, with Doomsday bursting through the title block.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I love yeah, that it, cover. That is a pretty hot cover. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're continuing the trend of having the awesome covers for Rebirth.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, real quick, I was reading that uh, retailers, I was reading this morning on Newsarama that retailers, you don't need to go to visit Newsarama. You don't need to go there, but I'll, I'll fill you in. <laughs> uh, so they said that uh, retailers are, are basically saying that Rebirth what is, a, is a huge hit for them and bringing people into the comic stores as well as um, basically taking people away from Marvel because people are just not interested in Civil War 2. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I mean, we are very indicative of that. Uh, of that, I think.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you, I'm I hate to say this, but when I'm buying comics on New Comic Book Day uh, on Comixology, I'm really scrolling past pretty fast the Marvel section.
1: I am, too. And and, and that's, I feel bad because I'm also like skipping Star Wars because I'm scrolling past the Marvel uh-huh. block, basically. So I'm, I'm like five issues behind on Star Wars. Same. Well, and I'll tell you, you know, I, I'm current on Darth Vader because I
0: really like that story. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's super good, but on the star Wars, I'm like, I'm so far behind on star Wars. I'm like, well, I'll just wait for it to go on sale. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'll just catch it on the 99 cent sale. There's no reason to to spend the three 99 for that
2: book right now to get caught up. Agreed. There are a couple books like that. Um, you know, for me, I, there's so many books I want to read right now, but I don't really have a lot of time. And if I'm not going to talk about it on the show, I can give it a month or so to get cheaper. And then bulk read them all at once. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. And you know there'll be a
1: Star Wars sale when closer to Rogue One coming out. Oh absolutely. Yeah, you know, they and you know, fortunately
0: they do sales all the time and you can kind of predict them. So uh you know, I'll just wait. Thank you.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. So Tim, you read Action Comics number nine sixty two, the conclusion of this uh current doomsday storyline, yes. Path of Doom. So uh what did you think? Um the the main selling point
3: for this this whole storyline has been how how this the uh, Superman from the pre New 52 um, has learned from his mistakes from the last Doomsday fight, um, and how he approached handling the problem this time was pretty awesome. So you know the the last time these two got together it was the you know funeral for a friend storyline because they both quasi kill each other we'll just say and this time spoilers yes yeah, <laughs> and and this time he he um outthinks the problem and it was it was good to see i i I thoroughly enjoyed the payoff for the storyline, a storyline that honestly I thought was was starting to get a little long as far as what were you on like four issues of fight. Um, but yeah, no, it was a it was a good wrap up. Um, we got to see a little bit more of Lex Luthor's Superman. So that was a, that was a pretty cool scene uh, between him and um, our, our other our other Superman, I guess we can call him.
1: No, I, I enjoyed it, Paul. What did you think? I liked it. I liked it as a wrap up, um, you know, because I, I, I was reading it and I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of ready for the storyline to be over. We've gotten, like you said, four issues of fighting. But then I thought about it and when Doomsday shows up, it pretty much is four issues of fighting. Um, so this is kind of par for the course in regards to Doomsday storylines. And at least it's biweekly. If I had to deal with this for six months, I think I'd have a, a little bit less patience with it. But as, you know, basically three months worth of the book, I'm okay with that. Um, and it's been well written. But my main qualm with the book, and I think it's more an artistic choice than it is a story choice, is that Superman seems in pretty decent condition considering he's been fighting for four issues. You know, you think about that first Superman doomsday fight drawn by Dan Jurgens, right? And Superman looked like hell. I mean, he had the shit kicked out of him, his suits all torn up, capes all torn up, beaten and bloody. And at no point in this four issues is Superman visibly injured. Um, and I, I find that more an artistic choice than anything else. But for me to to understand the stakes of the fight, um, I, I, I think I needed a little bit more of a visual interpretation of Superman getting beaten and, and bloody. Um, to really get the impression, okay, yes, this is a hard fight, and there is no way out except to send him to the Phantom Zone. Um, but as it is, it's like, oh, well, that felt a little easy. I know he's been fighting him for four issues, but it's like, well, it felt a little easy, because he looks fine, like Superman, not, none the worse for wear, you know, walks away without a scratch. And for me, it just well, there, feels there, like they been, there could have been more there. There is a tiny little tear in his cape, I'd like to point out. <laughs> a
3: <laughs> a tiny, <laughs> tiny
0: yeah, but he just got that on the way out the door. <laughs> it's snagged on the door. Uh, so what I what I love about this is, you know, we've had the character that we all believe is Ozymandias from Watchmen, uh, kind of watching and and commenting on the fight. And you know, that's not how you're going to beat him, Superman. You're you're going to have to, you know, think your way out of this rather than fight your way out of this. And so, you know, Superman, you know, activates the Phantom's. His, this is one of the things that kind of blows my mind. Is you know, obviously, our Superman, our Superman from the pre-New Fifty Two, didn't get to bring all of his Fortress of Solitude and all of his artifacts and te- Kryptonian technology with him. So his his little uh, hobo Fortress of Solitude that he's built. Uh, He's had to build with cobbled together technology. So he's got a, a uh, you know, <laughs> uh Phantom Zone projector that he's cobbled together, you know, that he's put together out of parts he's found at swap meets and garage sales. Um, and so it works, which is great, except uh, the data packet kicking over you know, the imprint of, of Doomsday to the Phantom Zone gets pirated. By the guy that we believe is Ozymandias. Mandias, and for whatever reason, he needs a doomsday, and uh, so uh, there's that. So uh, I, I I like where this book wound up. I like that that we get to see uh, Wonder Woman and, and Superman working through, you know, and, and kind of developing that uh, re- relationship independent of the previous Superman. Though it does seem to me that everyone just accepts that there is a replacement Superman a little too easily. And doesn't it to you? I mean, it just seems like there should be, they should have done like a special issue uh, before they got into all all this stuff about, you know, kind of talking that through. You know, because he shows up right at the moment that the other Superman dies. seems a little strange to me.
2: Well, there was, in one of the other books, they came to talk to him, but...
0: Yeah, but I mean, it was a panel. We see, and we don't get to hear it. You know, know, Batman and and Wonder Woman up and all we see is is John eavesdropping on the conversation, but I, I really would have liked to have seen a space where where it's like okay, what the hell are you? I mean, part of the part of the drama here is what the other guys don't know, but I, I would think that you'd go, hey man, I was from another universe that died. I'm the lone, me and my family are the lone survivors of
2: that universe as far as he knows. Yeah, so Aaron, if you remember last time last issue, I had mentioned that I hated the ending yes. when all of the guys showed up to take out Doomsday, and I made a comment about you know, oh great, now it's somebody else is going to be the one to deal with Doomsday I yeah. have to take that entirely back I <laughs> loved how it was handled the uh, The army of people showed up from yep. what we assume is uh, Asmandias, and they are wiped out, like yep. Quickly, yeah. they don't stand a chance against Doomsday, and this does come down to Superman has to be the one to deal with him, with some help from Wonder Woman, and that that made me so happy because I said I was I like everyone else mentioned I think the storyline I was ready for it to end I don't think I I would have gotten frustrated if there were another issue of it, but I, I was really afraid that they were going to give the win to somebody else. And they didn't do that, so very happy. Yeah, we did
0: get to see Superman solve his own problem, and without the interference of Azim and Dias, Doomsday would have been relegated to the Phantom Zone. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, one of the things that I loved when I was a kid was every now and again they would print like blueprints of the Fortress of Solitude, and I, I just I, I love that. Same thing for the Baxter Building and for Avengers Mansion. You just kind of get those, you know. Schematics and whatnot. Uh, I, I would love to see that for this Superman's, uh, you know, Fortress of Solitude. But I would also love to see, like, you know, Superman: The Lost Years. Where that it shows him putting his fortress together because you know a, a lot of his fortress, depending on which era of Superman you're reading, is just kind of magically produced from Kryptonian crystals, right? Uh, it would be nice to see him to, to see that process of I don't have this native Kryptonian technology anymore to help me out. I've got to build my own robots. I've got to, you know, construct my own computer system, because one of the things, you know, that we've we've gotten away from in Superman, it looks like we're coming back to, is that Superman's not just super strong; he's super intelligent. And while he doesn't necessarily have the deductive skills of Batman he does have you know heightened intelligence and perception which you know is the reason why that he was labeled man of tomorrow and I'd like to see more of that I'd like to see more of, of you know the, uh, the the constructing his his personal hideout that he didn't uh, tell uh, Lois he's got an apartment out in the mountains what's going on out there Superman that's what I want to know that's what I want to know because let me tell you I don't tell my wife I've got a got a, got a secret apartment out in the woods. Uh, I'm gonna get getting some pretty deep kimchi. She's not gonna let me off the hook that easy. A secret
1: yeah. apartment out. I, a secret apart. I I I can't even finish that statement. A secret apartment out in the woods. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, sure,
0: he's probably out there just writing his manifesto. Yes, but, uh, we're, but we're back you know, to the super manifesto. Yeah, super manifesto or. He's out there entertaining the hillbilly chicks. Oh, yeah. Sweet, sweet hillbilly chicks. <laughs> sweet hillbilly woman.
1: <laughs> uh, so do you guys um, hear about this uh, new Batman animated movie coming out? I don't know if we talked about it before, but we're going to talk about it again if we did. Is this the one with the uh, re- with a return to the the era of Adam West? Yes, yes. Oh, that one yeah i'm excited about that i was about you know my my the next words out of my mouth were gonna be who the hell is excited about this project now i know (laughs) fucking fucking wayne
2: (laughs) hey remember i'm remember i'm the guy that has a framed picture of myself with adam west and burt ward up on the the wall in my living room No, not above your bed no
0: well you know i do have the uh the what was it the batman adventure hour batman adventure series uh that was the 1970s uh, animated show yeah. where uh, Burt Ward and Adam West voiced the animated characters. I love that
1: thing. That's a great DVD set. I mean, I have a morbid curiosity about this movie. Um, it, it, it comes out, I think, already in October. So we're not far from it being released. And they it features pretty much the entire villain cast of the original series. Obviously, uh, most of them not voiced by their original actors because yes. most of them are nope. are gone but right. julie newmar is coming back yes delicious delicious julie newmar so i mean uh, it's gonna premiere at new york comic-con i'm curious i'm not excited i but i do wonder for me where what what research was conducted to make them
2: think that this was going to be a big seller for them like do you well i, I think that Go ahead, Wayne. My guess are the sales of the Batman, uh, the you know the Batman TV show released on DVD. Yeah. yeah. So because now that those are out, they can see the numbers of them. Uh, all of the toys they've been doing of that series since they got the rights to make the toys. There's a huge nostalgia for things from that era because they haven't been able to actually make make any of it. They haven't had the licensing rights for the the TV show. So since it's come out. That would be my guess between that, the uh, batman sixty six comic books. I think there are they actually did do research and numbers on it, and the the sales of the that merchandise is probably what sold this. That would be my guess as well. I think that uh, the re-release or the release
0: of the uh, Batman TV show uh, Blu-rays uh, has built an audience for it. Hmm. Sad to say, Paul, sad to say. But uh, you know, I, I think it's great. I, I I'll I i do not know that I'll buy it, but I'll probably rent it.
1: Yeah, I'll rent it. I I, I probably won't be purchasing it. Yeah, I don't think I'll add it to my collection of Batman uh, shows, just
0: like I'm not adding Killing Joke uh, to my to my library of Batman discs.
1: Aaron, you're I'm still debating on it. I bought it. Did you really? I did. What is what is wrong with you, Paul? I wanted to watch the special features. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, some of the special features were like i don't know about well you guys saw it in theaters too yeah so uh the mark hamill the introduction was really good i enjoyed that a lot and i'm curious about some of the special features i kind of want the joker statue on the amazon version yeah so oh, so I when mean, you say
1: statue i, I just want to clarify because I've, I've i've picked up a number of those versions with the miniature things okay they're really shitty just putting that out
2: there <laughs> I haven't. I don't have any of them, so I didn't know that they're like three inch tall
1: PVC. You know, like they're three inch tall, non movable action figures, basically. Okay. Um, it's not necessarily a statue. It's 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 a little, you know, something that you'd get out of a vending machine, basically.
2: Less excited about it, but I listened to the uh, you guys' review of Killing Joke the other day, since I wasn't uh, on that one, and pretty much I align right with you guys. Uh, I loved the actual killing joke portion of it, mm-hmm. which I thought I wasn't happy with the ending, and I disliked all of the new material they added at the beginning. But as long as Mark Hamill was on the screen, I loved it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, we got some. For me, I'm 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 gonna early review this here. Spoiler warning: I love Detective Comics number nine thirty nine. Oh, it's a good book. Oh. It's such a good book. Not only is it a good book, it's a good Tim Drake book. Yeah, it, it was so good. Um,
0: I, 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 it really is tense. Um, I, I have an overwhelming sense of impending doom re- relating to the next issue. Uh, I, 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 this book is fantastic, and you know continues this great character development. Uh, both. You know, building some backstory for uh, Batwoman and Batman, as well as as really furthering the development of that uh, uh, character drama between uh, Batwoman and her father. So fantastic book.
3: Yeah, her father's getting getting an ass kicking. That's what's happening. Yes. Next yeah. issue. That's coming.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think? of the scene you know we flash back to the scene of uh uh the wayne's funeral and bruce sitting on a pew all by himself uh and kate wanders over the the young pre-batwoman wanders over to talk to him what did you think of that scene
3: i i kind of felt like they made her too old i guess yeah in in my head i picture her you know ten, eight years younger than bruce and in that scene, they look like the same age. Yeah, they they, they yeah, do oh. seem
0: more like contemporaries uh, in that, and and you do get a sense that that she's a little bit younger than him.
3: Uh-huh. Uh, but but I you mean, know, if you if you put that aside, I, I did like it. I thought it was
0: a sweet scene. Um, I, th- I I liked it. I liked the scene on its own, but in the context of Bruce Wayne, um, it strikes me as interesting that it demonstrates that he's got family. When he he really is represented uh, other than in like Batman 66, where he's got an aunt, uh, he's really represented as somebody who has no family.
3: But that makes sense. But that makes sense. Given the fact that his uncle didn't like his dad, you know, well, maybe that's why he grows up alone.
0: (laughs) Well, and it does create an interesting scenario that he did have family that chose not to embrace him. Yes. Because of something – because of an, a dispute with his father rather than, you know, realizing that that's your sister's son. And that's – I mean I I have such a shittier view of uh, Kate's father now uh-huh. uh, than I ever did before because the fact that you wouldn't just run to your sister's son who has been orphaned, regardless of who you blame for what happened, you know, that you wouldn't just go and, and take care of your sister's son just – uh Seems a a pretty shitty thing. I mean, I'm not a people person, but even I (laughs) recognize
3: that as shitty. He doesn't even seem sad. He seems annoyed. Yeah. Like, god damn it. (laughs) You know, he's like, no, no, my sister went and got herself killed because of her idiot husband. Yeah, exactly. Not anything like the horror of, oh, we're burying, you know, a relative. No, just annoyance. So... uh... I love the scene, you know. The,
0: so, so we're talking about this book, but we haven't explained anything about it. <laughs> um, the 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 bad guys, which are this uh, this group of military Batmen that uh, Kate or uh, Batwoman's father has put together, uh, to you know strike out those people that they believe to be terrorists, uh, members of the League of Shadows, which Batman says does. Doesn't exist, But I'd also like to point out that he said the Court of Owls didn't exist and it exists. So I think Batman might be wrong here, particularly given some information that we got in this this issue. But, uh, you know, well, he's identified- I, I, hope,
3: I hope he is wrong because that'll make it even better.
0: Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, so so the they they have sent their drones out. You know, the bad guys, the, the military has sent, uh, the bad guys, the military has sent their drones out to kill all these guys. And, and the downside is, is that they've got their targets, but they're probably, you know, in and amongst the targets they're going to hit, they're probably going to kill somewhere between 500 and 600 innocent people. Acceptable losses. Acceptable
3: losses is just the word. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So you know, Batman is putting hit, Batman and Batwoman are putting their Detective Comics Batman Squad out there to fight off the drones. And in one of the scenes, you know, they're they're, they're going to each of the target areas to get people like move to a basement, you know, get out, get get out of the line of fire. And so Clayface assumes the role of Batman and he is the most non-convincing <laughs> Batman you've ever seen. Cause he's like, um, Hey y'all, if y'all wouldn't mind, uh, if you could just move down to the, to the, to the basement and you know, people are like, what the hell, what are you? And he's like, could you just, Oh, fuck it. And he just turns into the big clay face monster. Get out of here. You know, I, I thought that was a great scene. Uh, that was a great scene. Y'all you know, eat your face. <laughs>
3: you want a piece of this run or you'll get a full dose of clay face
0: you know whatever works I thought it was pretty funny oh, I like that scene
3: but you just see him like sighs like at the end of the, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> this, so, is, this you know, is what I do now
0: when uh, orphan formerly known as Batgirl uh, Cassandra Kane is that her name Yeah. Uh, yes. When she goes to move her targets down to the basement or whatever um You know, she comes into what looks like a dormitory. There are like six or eight beds in this room. And as one of the guys leaves, you know, he's wearing a ball cap, so his face is obscured from her. But we see it. He's got creepily black within black eyes.
1: Yeah. Am I supposed to know what that is or just is it just mysterious?
0: I think that means he's some kind of League of Shadows guy.
1: Oh. I think that means that,
0: you know, he's one of one of these, uh, you know, Supernaturally enhanced or whatever, you know, ninja bad guys that Raz Al Ghul was talking about. So, uh, I, I, that's what that's. I suspect that's what that is. And so, we're going to find that we protected these guys when uh, we we might have might have should have let the military do their thing. Yeah, you know, because 500, 600 innocents, acceptable losses. <laughs> yeah, you know, but uh, so at the end of the book, you know, we. Tim Drake is in their system and he can't deactivate these drones. And these drones are all heavily equipped. They're going to blow shit up. And there's hundreds of these things, right? Uh, you know, just or at least dozens. of them. there's a, a whole F ton of of these drones that the military are using that are heavily armed and ready to blow things up. So he can't deactivate them, but he can shift their target and he shifted the target to himself. So he's drawn them all back to himself, and the the team is scattered across the town. And so the the book ends with him trying to solve the math problem of of how does he take out these drones. And you know, the through line of this arc of detective comics has been that Tim's going back to school. he's hanging up his cape. Um, do we think that maybe Tim might actually wind up dying in this next issue?
1: No, maybe. I mean, cause, cause there are a whole lot of Robins. There are, but this is, it, it sucks because if it does, because this is the arc that has redeemed the new 52 Tim Drake for me. Right. You know, made him more the Tim Drake that I know and love. And, uh, if they kill him, I mean, I guess that's the point, right? You get, you, you get to like, they, uh, they did that with new 52 Superman also like, Hey, just as you're liking this guy, he's dead. Right. So Maybe.
2: I will be so pissed off at them if they do. But I'm not even reading the book. I just I want them back.
3: It's such a
2: good book, Wayne.
3: Yeah. It is such a good book. It is the only Batman book you need to buy. Um, So I'm gonna put that out there. Yeah,
0: it is so good. But I mean I I, I got to the end of the book and I'm like, oh I mean it's it because of the way DC is telling stories now, I don't feel like anybody is safe, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that's great. I mean, the fact that you've got some real actual tension in the storytelling, you know, that there are real stakes. And, and I'm not one who, who believes that in order for there to be tension, someone's got to die. But they've done a really good job here of like, you know, he might actually die here, you know, because they've laid the groundwork of, you know, they're, they're, he's, he's going to leave the team anyway. And oh, my God.
3: <laughs> you know, just just for a moment when they start talking about being able to redirect the drones. I thought they were all going to get pointed at Kate's dad. Well, that's what I thought
0: too, and I was like, "Well, why wouldn't you do that?"
3: Or you except know, that, except
0: that Tim didn't want to kill anybody.
3: Oh yeah, he's a like, he's a good guy. But like, yeah. did you see that like Harvey Dent just on a, a street corner somewhere going, "Oh f." f. <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, uh, no, he did the right. He did the honorable thing, and it's like, okay, that's that's great. You are so screwed. <laughs> yeah. But no, I,
1: I I this book was fantastic. I I have no complaints about this book. Well, let's see if you had similar feelings about Blue Beetle number 1 from um Keith Giffen and Scott Collins featuring both Jaime Reyes and Ted Cord. What did you think? I yeah. Uh, I I I will provide my my very
0: short review and then I'll kick it over to you. Uh I was not in love with this book, but there was enough here that I like that I'm coming back. Um I I feel like we're retreading and maybe it's because it's that rebirth uh, one-off book yeah. before you get into the to the actual story. So, you know, you do have to kind of view these one-offs as a zero issue because uh, it did feel like that was some retreading. And I didn't – you know, the branding is not necessarily clear on the covers of these books.
1: I felt right? the same way, you know, because I'm like, is this Blue Beetle number one and I missed the rebirth issue because it doesn't yeah. – unlike some of the other zero issues, it doesn't retread the origin or anything like that it just kind of sets up the status quo and so i was like oh is this blue beetle number one and i missed rebirth no no this is the uh the rebirth issue
0: yeah and it wasn't until i got to the end of the book that i realized oh okay this is the rebirth issue because i'm it's like i just feel like we're retreading the same tire um but it is it's just kind of setting up you know here's what you need to know about these two characters uh i want to see less of Jaime not wanting to be a superhero. Yeah, um, I want to see more of Ted Cord doing awesome things. Um, I love that Keith Giffen's writing it. Is he writing it for the ongoing series as yes. well? Uh, I think I think that puts us in really good hands for Ted Cord. Uh, you know Keith Giffen having been the guy who brought us that uh, the the old Justice League you know blah, ha, ha series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I you know the only thing that would be better is if you had James DiMatteis De, uh, working on this with him. But uh, you know I, I I loves me some Keith Giffen. I, I think that he is well suited for this. I like Jaime Reyes. I ju- and and. I like the design of this blue beetle and I like, they figured out a way to give us both retro blue, blue beetle and current blue beetle. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I just seeing the, the, the beetle up in the air, the, 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 the flying bat cave as Ted, uh, regards it is just cool. You know, I love that. Um, so no, I dug the book. I, I I didn't, I didn't love the book. I liked it enough to come back.
1: Same here. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I actually really liked the Scott Collins art. Um, sometimes he's hit or miss with me, but I enjoyed it in this book.
0: And there were some moments where it was very Walter Simonson-y, you know, uh, I I was like, wow, you know, that, that almost seems like he's doing an homage there. I'm not sure that he was, but, uh, there were some pages. I was wow, I really like the way he rendered those pages. So yeah, no, Scott, like yourself, Scott Collins is hit and miss with me, but I loved what he did here.
1: You know, and I, I don't read a lot of books now that have that high school teenage angsty superhero vibe. Uh, right. and this, this seems to fit that mold. Um, and so I, I, am enjoying that about the book like you, I didn't love it, but I enjoyed mm-hmm. the art and I enjoyed the story enough to, to go ahead and continue with the next issue and see how that plays out. There um, is very much a teenage Peter Parker feeling to the book. Yes. Um, or comparatively almost like a Batman beyond in that you have the the Ted Cord as your aging Bruce Wayne yeah, even though he's younger in this um yeah. you know and your uh, Blue Beetle or Jaime Reyes as your Terry McGinnis. I can see that.
0: Yeah, there is the the sense that, you know, he's got real real life problems in addition to being a superhero. Uh which se- feels more Marvel than DC. Mm-hmm. Uh but I, I I like what I like the pieces they're playing with. I think the talent that they've got playing in the sandbox is strong talent. And given the if this was a straight up issue one in the ongoing series, I probably wouldn't come back. Uh, But I once I understood that, okay, they're just, you know, setting the stage. Mm -hmm. I'm good to go.
1: Yeah. Same here. Yeah. So I will be picking up issue one. And again, great cover. Love that cover. Oh, yeah. You
0: know with it kind of with the the suit molding over him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, 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 the, the Rebirth covers have just been fantastic. But, you know, Paul, we do get to see the preview cover for Cyborg number one. The next epic starts here, Paul.
1: Hmm. So you're, you're, you're down for that, right? No, I don't think I'm going to get that one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. No matter no, how hard you try, you. no matter how hard you try, you can't make me believe that Cyborg is an important character
1: you have to get someone really special to write and draw that book for me to pick it up. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Creative team. Jesus.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you, you just have, you know, father, son, and Holy ghost. That would be the whole team.
2: <laughs> the Jesus. Entire is, you know, which one's going to be the colorist. Well, that, that'd, be,
0: that'd be the Holy ghost. Also doing the lettering.
1: <laughs> uh, editing by Satan. <laughs>
0: That's right. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so this week it was announced, you know, we were talking about teenage angst. And one of the first one of the reasons I picked up Robert Kirkman's Invincible when it first started was because of that teen angst, uh, young hero vibe. And, you know, it's, it has since progressed beyond that. And, you know, we've talked about this before in the podcast, but for anyone who doesn't listen regularly, I, I hop in and out of Invincible like uh, Oprah Winfrey, Oprah Winfrey's weight. Wait. I mean, it just like, like, I, 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 I hop out for like a year and then I come back with a binge and, uh, then I hop out for another year because I don't, you know, it's, 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 it's one of those things that just seems like it'll read better in trade. And so I, I've, I'm on an invincible lull. I don't know about
2: you, Wayne, if you've been consistently reading it. I've been uh, consistently buying it and saving it up to read a storyline at once because, like you, it's, it reads better grouped together.
1: Mm-hmm. But it has been announced that, um, when Invincible when Ryan Otley comes back to the title, he's been on a little bit of a break. Um, but when he comes back with issue 133 starting in November, they will be beginning the 12 part, the End of All Things Arc, which will conclude Invincible. Um, you know, Robert Kirkman has long said that he wanted Invincible to continue long after him. Um, You know, he wants to he wanted to look back on it one day and see someone else, um, you know, writing the book and and doing that kind of thing. And then he he thought about it more in recent years. And he said, you know, this is kind of one of those things that we've always kind of played with the tropes of the genre. um, And I don't necessarily want Invincible to turn into a trope. And so he has decided, you know, with this next storyline that it felt like a lot of things were converging and it would be a sufficient end to the book. So that's what we're getting.
2: And I got to say, he's that's enough to bring me back to the title again. Yeah. Also, though, when I look at Kirkman, he's done a lot of kind of bait and switch with some of his stories. So I do kind of wonder when this all wraps up, is it just going to launch a new book? Yeah, that'll piss me off, (laughs) especially if I actually go back in and read it. So,
1: I mean i it's enough to bring me to bring me back in um let's see the last issue I read looks to be issue one twenty five which was the second part of the reboot, so I'm not that far behind if issue one thirty three comes out in November um it's just one of those things that I'll hop in and I'll read it, and I know what'll happen is I'll get sick of it and then I'll just wait till the end and read it
2: <laughs> and read that last storyline in bulk um but well I, the interesting I, thing at this point is. It's not consistently a monthly book anymore, and it hasn't been for a while. They moved it to write in, like, storylines. So they would uh, try to be monthly for a story arc and then take a couple months off and things like that. And that, to me, as I kind of watched it happen, I was thinking he's lost the passion for this. And that's probably the case.
1: Um, you know, he's he's so busy with all his TV work, which seems to be his new thing, Um I gotta be honest, I think his, I know Walking Dead is such a high-selling title, he'll probably never leave that book, but even then, I think maybe he needs to step out of the comic book world, because I don't know about you guys who are reading Walking Dead, but... Walking Dead is fantastic. I am current on Walking Dead, and it's a great book. Fine,
0: says you. Just telling you, just telling you, it's a good book.
1: (laughs) But, uh, so, I mean, I don't think he's leaving comics anytime soon, but Invincible, coming to an end, I'll pick it up. I I will I will continue I will get caught up before this final storyline and then pick it up from there. And Ryan Otley is damn near one of the best comic book artists out there. In fact, I think previously I've nominated him for a Funny Book Award for uh, greatest best artist of the year. So I think Ryan Otley is fantastic. He is immensely talented. And I would like to see him on something other than Invincible. Um, yeah. You know, let's bring him into a, a Superman book or something like that. But so anyway, Invincible coming to an end with 144. But one book that started this week that, you know, I read a review on Newsarama. <laughs> and, and, and this is why I say you don't need to visit Re- Newsarama. Because yeah, Paul's t- going to tell you every, every, everything about everything you need to know.
0: Paul's going to read Newsarama to you.
1: I am. <laughs> but they said, hey, you know, there's a new book, Greg Pak, who I'm a fan of, Mirko Kolak on art, Kingsway West, Great book, 10 out of 10, or 9 out of 10, or some ridiculous number. They they loved it. They loved Kingsway West, number one, from Dark Horse Comics. And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, that's a that's a pretty solid review. Let me check out this book. It's got to be good. Aaron, I did not like this book. Oh, this book was a steaming mess. <laughs> hey, I man. mean, it,
0: it was, it so was a... Well, and here's the thing. All the pieces are there, right? Yeah. Uh, it's got an interesting backstory. You know, it takes place in the West, where, you know, it's kind of steampunky a little bit. You know, you've got uh, you know some science with uh, uh, red gold fueling magic, mm-hmm. and you know the Chinese have found you know a, a, a vein of red gold in the California mountains, and so they're disputing the territory uh, with the the Mexican government. So, a big fight breaks out between them. Uh, the United States is not the United States. It's the United States of New York. Um, you know, there is in the the uh, central uh, portion of the of the country is dominated by Native American tribes. Uh, you know, so it's it's an interesting setup, and it's all set in the Old West. I will tell you the first few pages I enjoyed. Yeah. I liked the scene where we get the, – the character's name, number one, the character's name irritates the living shit out of me.
1: Yeah, I thought Kingsway uh, was like a uh, a name of a city or a state right. or something like that. But no, it's, it's the dude's name. Yeah, the guy's name is Kingsway Law, right, um,
0: which is just the most hacky name – uh, for the character but they don't call it kingsway law they call the book kingsway west which i mean why not name him kingsway west <laughs> uh i mean I, it's just ridiculous uh, yeah. on the naming convention um but the first couple of pages you know sets the tone gives you some backstory about the setting and then you see you know the, the main character kingsway wandering out in the, uh, in the wilderness and he comes across and I was highly amused by this, but it caught in an animal trap is a jackalope, you know, part jackrabbit, part antelope. And, uh, uh, you know he's about to do something to the creature. You assume he's going to butcher it, but he gets stumbled upon by some of these Chinese soldiers who are like, "You know, hey, we're gonna have to give you some shit." And he's like, "You know, you know, if you don't start no trouble, won't be no trouble. And they start some trouble, so he has to gun them all down. Uh, and the next thing you know, he uh, kills over, and I'm not real clear what happened that he gets killed, that he kills over. I guess he, maybe he got hit by one of the bad guys, and we just didn't catch that.
1: Yeah, there was a there was a bit of uh, artistic interpretation that led for uh, poor storytelling. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I did a big jump between those panels because
0: uh, I didn't understand what happened. But you know, he wakes up and he's been found by this woman, and you know they have this connection, and they both you know realize they've kind of been through the same thing. And then it jumps five years, and she's missing. You don't see her again, but apparently they got married. Yeah. And that's where this whole thing goes off the rails. I mean, for those first few pages, I was like, this is pretty good. The artwork was good. The storytelling was good, with the exception of that one issue where I couldn't figure out what happened. Um, but I liked it. I liked the setting. And then it just becomes this steaming mess with all these different elements with a new character that arrives that, I'm sorry, I had a really hard time telling the difference between her and I the, the character that was his wife. Um, so there wasn't a big enough difference in the way those characters were drawn, except that one has a sword and the other one doesn't, uh, and one's one has a dragon and the other one doesn't. But the actual character herself does not look altogether different. And you know, <laughs> here's the funny thing, Paul, is that you know Kingsway and the woman with the sword are both Asian; they're both Chinese. Uh, the woman that Kingsway marries, Sonia, I believe is her name, is Mexican. Um, so they should look very different. <laughs> yeah. Uh but I, I really did. I struggled with it. I'm like, you know, if he wasn't telling me that his wife was missing in text,
1: uh,
0: I would say she's right there. There's your yeah. wife.
1: Uh, I mean, they 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 are so similarly drawn. It's a it's a it's too it's yeah, too similar. Yeah. There were there were some neat images in the book, but God, I mean, uh,
0: the storytelling is just terrible, terrible. Um, I I wish that they had. I think the more interesting story is the the journey of him and his wife, I think, to lose her so short before you actually get to make the connection. Because, I mean, we don't see them become man and wife. We don't see them develop a romantic relationship. She finds him. She takes care of him when when he uh, you know got shot by a bullet. She said, you know, when he says, why did you save me? She's like, I don't know. And then jumps into five years later. And I get it. You know, they're probably going to, you know, uh, water drip some of that story later on. But I'm not emotionally connected to her. Yeah. They haven't done anything to sell that character to me, so right now, I don't care. Right now, I'm I'm all bothered by the fact that I can't tell the difference between the the only two women that appear in the damn book. I can't tell the difference between them.
1: <laughs> so, uh, Kingsway West, I'm out. And uh, screw, yeah. screw you, Newsarama. Screw you in yeah. your 9 out of 10 review.
0: I gotta say, I feel like some of these... I mean, this this book is clearly a bad book. Yes. Right? I mean, I, I think that, that it is... That it is not a subjective representation. I think this book is objectively a badly put together book. And I do think, particularly in cases like Newsarama, I think that they are uh, motivated to write uh, overly positive reviews. I'm not sure what that motivation is, but I feel like there is an outside influence working there because this book is objectively bad.
1: Yes, agreed.
0: I mean, you could enjoy this book. Don't get me wrong, but the problems that we talked about in terms of the, the visual storytelling and the actual storytelling would preclude it from being, you know, nine out of ten. Yeah, you know, and and if you just enjoyed the whole thing, I mean, I think I think the highest rating a, a fair reviewer would could give this is a six.
1: Highest, on a scale of highest.
0: Yeah, highest. Absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, I, it's objectively bad in my opinion.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I've used the words both objective and my opinion. <laughs> it's <laughs> well, is categorically bad. <laughs> there you go. In your opinion. In my opinion, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So yeah. I picked up a book um, just randomly. At, you know, So if you buy your comics on Comixology, you get your featured books on top, which I always scroll right past because it pisses me off because I'll add something up top to my cart, right. but it doesn't update it further down when it gets to the publisher's. Yeah, I always go to the publishers to do my books. Same here. So then it has your publishers in alphabetical order. You have your Dark Horse, your DC, your Image, your Marvel, your Valiant. And then it goes to other publishers, or Dynamite is in there somewhere. And then it has your other publishers. And that's where I came across this book at the bottom from American Mythology Productions, company I've never heard of before, American Mythology Dark, Issue 1, Werewolves vs. Vampires. And I was like werewolves versus vampires all right why do i see it versus why do i see it versus dinosaurs
2: in the uh, oh sorry
1: werewolves versus dinosaurs werewolves versus dinosaurs yeah werewolves versus vampires i would have skipped right over it werewolves versus (laughs) dinosaurs um and uh see now you're more interested um actually i am thank you (laughs) and so and i was like that cover is is actually pretty awesome and so it's a 3.99 book and i picked it up and let me preface this by saying American Mythology uh, Productions. I'm not familiar with the company, um, and the book is a little amateurish. And I will say that because I got to the, the you know the title page, and here are the entire credits: created story by Chris Scolf and Eric Dobson, scripted by Eric Dobson and Chris Scolf, So it just kind of switched the names around. Um, <laughs> publisher Michael Bornstein, marketing manager ma- marketing manager Barlow Jones, and I'm like, who drew the fucking thing? Right. Like, it, it doesn't list the artist anywhere in this book. So I don't know who drew this damn book. All I know is who it was cre- who the created creators and story was by and who scripted it, and it's the same dudes.
0: It was probably a hobo. You know, Bicycle <laughs> Bill drew the book. But
1: the art is actually really good. That's why I was curious. Is um, it? Yeah. The, the, I mean, <laughs> the, the, the werewolves and the dinosaurs are drawn so well. It's kind of got um, – I think it's digital art. So just putting that out there, if you're not a fan of digital art um, – it's got uh, it, it's kind of that digital painterly look, uh, but the dinosaurs and the the werewolves are are spectacular looking. The people a little less so, but are you really caring about the people when you have a book where werewolves are fighting dinosaurs in in a western town? Um, I thought this book was fun. I actually really enjoyed this book, and I'm I'm actually looking forward to issue two. Is it going to win any any awards? No, but it's it's kind of got that B movie fun vibe to it. Science fiction. Um, you know conspiracy theory, and yes, you have a lot of werewolves fighting dinosaurs on these pages, drawn spectacularly. Um, you know raptors and T. Rexes and werewolves all over the place. This book was a lot of fun. I actually really recommend checking it out. Um, if you if you if you like that B movie fun uh, vibe, it, it's it definitely has that. And so um, it's American mythology, dark werewolves versus dinosaurs from american mythology productions you can find it on comiXology and it looks like they have a website americanmythology.net um i'm gonna check it out uh but i'm definitely on board uh for the second issue fun book
2: hmm yeah i'll check it out
1: it's better do than kingsway west a nine
2: out, i say do you give it a nine out of ten <laughs>
1: i don't i give it a i'll give it a seven and a half right i mean because the art is really good but it's i mean it's a silly fun book it's not going to win any awards even though we don't know who did the art. Even though we don't know who did the art. I <laughs> told you. That. Bicycle Bill the Hobo did the art. Bicycle Bill the Hobo with the digital... Uh, he did it on his iPad.
3: Maybe wow. this was actually the book that Jesus did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he wanted to go uncredited. So Now from Messiah Publishing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's no funny books next week. Because Aaron and I will be in New York...
0: And hopefully we uh, get to capture some audio while we're there, so while you won't get funny books with Aaron and Polly next week, you may get uh, Star Trek Mission New York with Aaron and Polly. There is a a really cool IDW comics panel that I plan to attend, in which John Byrne will be there amongst others, uh, talking about the IDW Star Trek books.
1: Oh, nice. And I'm I'm sure we'll, I mean, I'm going to have some video, we'll have pictures and articles. There will be a, a ton of stuff coming from Star Trek Mission New York, so... You know, you get you, get you get
3: extra points is if you go up to the uh, the panel and they've got the comics on the table and you just read one right in front of them and put it back down.
0: <laughs> Burn steal it right
3: to John Burn. Yep, yep. <laughs> so better you win. Just make comic drop walkout.
1: <laughs> Done. I'll have Paul uh, video it for the YouTube channel. <laughs> Aaron Burn steals from John Byrne. Yep, that's live
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll Facebook live it we'll Snapchat it <laughs> Aaron you would be my hero
0: <laughs> alright guys well uh, we'll we'll chat with you a little over a little over a week or so absolutely I'll see you whenever Bye. podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope for more information visit markandrewpope.com